Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said this morning that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said this morning that is according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing, obey. Amen. Remember that time when you made a huge mistake? I mean, mistakes are a chapter in every book of life. I can remember one day while I was watching TV, I got stuck watching a 1970s bowling tournament on ESPN Classic. It's not as if I really wanted to watch this bowling tournament, you know what I mean? It, it happens with cooking shows sometimes too. You just kind of get sucked in. But there I am on the couch watching this guy bowl and he's just knocking him down and not missing a pin. He's really, really good. I mean, of course he is. They don't put bad bowlers on ESPN Classic. But as each frame goes by and he, and he knocks down every pin, the excitement starts to mount. And the crowd is sort of getting crazy. And every time he bowls a strike, he turns around and he pumps his fist. Suddenly, by the ninth frame, he has all strikes. And I'm sitting up in my chair, rooting him on. Yes, I realize this was 20 years ago or more, but I'm excited for this guy to roll a perfect game. And then with his last ball, he comes up short. With the whole world looking on. Even 25, 30 years later, with the whole thing at stake, the poor guy blows it. And ESPN Classic put it out there again for all the world to see. But we all know this feeling, this shame of making a mistake, sometimes for all the world to see. We know it on this level, of course, the level of, you know, making a mistake in a bowling game, shanking a drive on the first, you know, tee, burning dinner, running out of gas, breaking the lawnmower, or forgetting to set the alarm and waking up late. And, and we know it, we know it on another level too. We know it on an unspeakable level about unspeakable things. The mistakes that you don't want anyone to find out about ever. These are the mistakes that carry words like shame and debt, and lie, and yell, and push, and scar, and many of us, most of us know what it feels like to make that kind of mistake, to roll the, the gutter ball when there was a whole lot more at stake than a bowling game. So do you remember what it was for you? Was it, was it yesterday? Was it a long time ago? Does it still sting to think about? 
Today in the book of Judges, we read this story about one of the biggest mistakes in the whole Bible. A story about a mistake that reminds us of, of Moses' mistake, striking the rock that, that cost him entry into the promised land. It's a mistake that reminds us of David's mistake with Bathsheba that cost him a child. But Jephthah's mistake, this one from the book of Judges, puts him in a league all of his own. First, a, a little bit about who Jephthah was. Jephthah was one of the judges or protectors of the people of Israel in the time before Israel had a king. The book of Judges, as you might expect, is chock full of judges. Now, from Gideon to Samson, each one of these judges with their particular strengths and weaknesses. And one of Jephthah's strengths, his great strength was as a negotiator. Always looking to make a deal. He worked a deal with the elders that called him to be a judge in the first place. He, he tried working out a deal with the king of Sion and the Amorites to pass through their land. And, and he then tried to work a similar deal with the Ammonites. So he was, he was sort of an old school wheeler dealer. So it should come as no surprise that Jephthah would, when, when he realized that there would be a battle with the mighty Ammonites, that he would try to make a deal with God to ensure his victory. Never did God call on Jephthah to make a deal. I mean, throughout his time as a judge, the scripture tells us that God gave freely to Jephthah. And so why does he even have to say it? Why does he even have to make the mistake? The one where he said, God, just give me this battle. And if you do, I'll, if you do, I'll, I'll sacrifice the first thing to come out of my house when I return home as a victor. He makes the mistake because he simply didn't trust God to be God in the first place. And the next thing he knows, he wins the battle and he comes home. And the first thing to come out and meet him is his daughter. And it hits him what he's done. And he, and he runs to her and he grabs her by the shoulders and he says, you have brought me so low. Imagine his loss. You, you've been there, the thumping of his chest, the wrenching in his gut. And he sees his precious daughter dancing in celebration for this victory. And, and it's over. He's had this moment we've all had, the moment he knows that he's done it. And interestingly, this great negotiator then does little, by the way, of negotiating for the sake of his daughter's life. Instead, he whines and he moans and he points his dirty knobby finger at her and he blames her for being there in support of him. He says, you have become the cause of great trouble to me. And this is Jephthah's story. He was, a, he was a man who made a mistake. He made the mistake of his life and then he blamed the victim. I don't know about you, but I can be I can be more like Jephthah than I want to admit making a mistake and pointing fingers. It wasn't a mistake like, 
like Jephthah's mistake, but I can remember driving a back road in Maine one day and in a little Ford Focus. It was a, a road I've driven about a thousand times, so I might have been going a little bit faster, just a hair faster than one might recommend for a narrow dirt road, especially one that was still recovering from a recent rainstorm. Ahead of me, I saw a grader smoothing out the road ahead. And to me, that grader was moving way too slowly. And so I decided that, that I could squeeze by on the left. And there was my mistake. The soft shoulder caught me and pulled me like quicksand right into the ditch, a ditch my little car had no hope of conquering on its own. And at this point, I, yes, I, the person who had driven the car into the ditch, began to, to blame the rain for raining and the, and the road for being wet and the man driving the tractor for working that day and the state for making him work. About that time when I finished blaming my wife for letting me drive, the old timer in the tractor pulled up next to us. I rolled down the window and he mumbled in a, a slow condescending Mainer way. I was gonna pull over. Right. Thanks. We all make mistakes. Mostly because we think we can just just do it. We don't slow down and wait. Wait for the grader to pull over. Wait for things to Come to us, wait and trust God to be God. The story of Jephthah and his daughter does not end with a happy ending. As much as we want it to end cleanly, we are left wondering at the end of that story, what happened to her? The text only says, he did with her according to the vow, which has left interpreters to wonder if he, if he went through with it, what he said he would do. Dennis Olson writes, the effect of the ambivalence at the end of the passage is to heighten suspense and draw the reader into wrestling with the ambiguities of the story. In other words, we're forced to do what Jephthah wouldn't do. What his story is teaching us to do, we're forced to wait and, and trust God with her fate. And we have to do the same for Jephthah. After the mistake of a lifetime, we have to trust God with his fate. And we have to do the same for ourselves and the mistakes we've made, don't we? I, I met a man in a hospital one day. He looked down at his hands, busily kneading the bed sheet as he told me about the mistakes he'd made over the course of his life. Mistakes that many of us share with him. The mistakes with the bottle. Mistakes with his mouth. Mistakes with his hands, mistakes with his wallet, mortgaging the, the future of his, of his family. Then he asked me from his hospital bed, eyes leaking, if you've done something a long time ago that nobody knows about, something really bad that nobody can ever know about, do you still get to go to heaven? I thought for a moment, uh, part of me curious about what he'd done, but I realized that I was at a place in this man's life that I could never rewind and get back to, this, this thin place, and I told him all that I knew. I said, 
God can be trusted. And he blinked several times and, and then his eyes welled up with tears like that was the last thing he expected me to say. Mercy. His mistakes, though painful for him and overwhelming for him, are not too big for God. Know this morning that the gutter balls in your life, the ones you made a long time ago or, or yesterday or may make tomorrow, no matter the size, they're not too big for God. Know that God can be trusted and hear the words said in that hospital room and make them your own. God can be trusted. Help others hear these words, especially those that you know that yearn for forgiveness. Help them to hear them and make them their own. God can be trusted. No matter what ditch you're in, God can be trusted. Amen.